0: Hello everybody, Jordan here. The PH is silent and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show, we talk about Lucian's West Marches campaign and getting your players excited for your game as well as character death because I killed my first character. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jordan, with a silent ph in the mo- middle, and welcome to the Saturday Morning D and D Show. I am joined, always, by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say
1: hello, sir. Hello. I think you're about to say uh, a ph in the morning. A ph. <laughs> silent in the, I know. PH like in the morning.
0: I, I think in my mind, I'm like, oh, I usually say it like this. I'm gonna say it slightly different, uh, and All it, it messed up it. the the circadian <laughs> rhythm of my brain. Um, yeah that's weird so anyway but we're live um, so we're thank live. you everybody for coming out and listening or watching us live on twitch saturday mornings at 9 a.m pacific time um yeah there is not a ton of DD news but we seem to have done a lot of DD stuff so i'm hoping that this will be a good show of discussion and back and forth chit chat uh so yeah but in the This is older news, but it's something I wanted to talk about because I've been thinking a lot about Eberron. Is that they're going to do an Eberron Adventure League storyline. And we knew about this, but excuse me, what I didn't know about is that uh, they're going to do basically 11 different uh, scenarios. 11 different um, games that you can play in, and they're each for each level. So the first one is going to be a prologue of, like, basically a zero level, level one kind of thing. And then they have – and then next week they'll release a level one. And then the week after that they'll release a level two adventure and a level three adventure going all the way up to level ten. So if you are interested in Adventure League and your stores are doing Adventure League and you can kind of commit the next, like, 11 weeks – It would be really cool to sit down and be like, yeah, I want to do this uh, Eberron campaign. Um, I'm going to start on September 21st when the first one releases. And then every week just kind of keep continuing. And I I imagine that they're sequenced out like this, that you will be the appropriate level um, by the following week for the next adventure. Uh, Otherwise, why release them like that week after week? Because the Adventure League has a new leveling system of like points and stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. So I was like, I am really interested in this. I didn't get to go to Adventure League this week, but like, I'm really excited for September when the new storylines release, and I hope that my store picks them up and does them. But
1: Yeah, and I know that that was a big talk on ours. I know we'll get to kind of what we did this week, but in my Adventure League game, that was one of the things we had a quick talk with our GM about, or our DM about, was season eight's coming. It's obvious there's some big rule changes happening, and what is the timing on that like when they drop it are we all all of a sudden in season eight do people still play season 7 at your game stores until a certain date is there you know the, so he was uh, he's keeping an eye on a reddit thread um, for d and he's asked that question about when's the cutover when do you when do you fully engage the season eight and I'm assuming it's when they do their release of it yeah and um, it starts happening so I think well it's a big change because we're gonna see XP change. And we're seeing reward change. And those are two really big things to, to change for this next season. So I think it's going to be a really cool thing. And I, I think me and Jordan, even as a show, we're going to be in a lot of that um, from our standpoint. So hopefully we'll be able to bring you at least the way we see it as players or maybe even GMs coming up. Cause I know one of the things I've got on my list of bucket list things to do is I want to do GMing of, um, Uh, adventure league adventures. So I want to become one of those DMS that do that to try that. Cause I want to know what it looks like from their side too. You know, there's a lot of cool adventures and stuff, but I want to do it like full on the way they're explaining it. So run their adventures for this season Mm -hmm. for these players, not necessarily grabbing stuff from other places or going back to other stuff, but just play the way they, just so I get the feeling of how should this work if somebody jumped into it today, they never knew anything about Dungeons and Dragons. They jumped in, they did Adventure League, and here's how it goes. go. So yeah. just to give you that experience. And you
0: want to do that online, I take it?
1: I probably will, because yeah. everything I do is online. Why make yeah. it easy on myself and just play? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and I, I was actually yeah. thinking, I think it would be easier to do it online with a consistent yeah. group of people as opposed to trying to go to a game store and then getting an inconsistent group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Dungeons or Adventure League, is designed to have people just be able to jump in and out but in all honesty I feel like it works better and maybe it's just Dungeons and Dragons works better when you have a consistent group of people that can regularly meet uh so but the new changes are interesting like you get points instead of experience points you get like level up points um for every hour of gameplay that you take part in uh Adventure League and then the reward system is different too, that you you gain like reward points that you then spend to get magical items, um, not from necessarily a list, but if you find a magical item then in the game, players can spend their points to get that magical item. So I think it takes out, like if I've been playing a long time and I have a lot of these points and this magical item drops in this game, I can spend those points to get that magical item and maybe the guy next to me who this is his first session, he doesn't have the points. So it kind of rewards the player who's been playing longer to get the magical items. And then I was watching a video on this that apparently there was a problem with dungeon masters, uh, who would, cause if you, if you DM adventure league, you get a character that you can then use experience points as a dungeon master to level that up. And then you go to, um, conventions and stuff and you play in conventions with this character that you've leveled up, but you've never actually played it um, because it's all dungeon master experience that has leveled up this character. And then Mm -hmm. those were the players that were getting special uh, magical items because they didn't have any magical items. Those were the players that were getting these items that were at um, conventions and uh, specific items that were made for conventions and then they would never be able to play them again because well they could play them again but they wouldn't play them again because they go back to and they're a dungeon master so it was from his perspective in this video and I should if I find a link to it I'll try to put it in the um, show notes for uh, the YouTube channel because I don't remember it off the top of my head right now but it was really interesting because I didn't know that that was a problem that mm. that they were like well you're you're taking away from other people that have actually been playing their characters and leveling them up by just kind of swooping in and, and snagging all these magic items and stuff so I think the new that new system is also supposed to take care of that and then another thing that I thought was interesting is that uh, if you are say a paladin and your starting equipment says that your paladin is got um, medium armor and then you you kill an orc who has heavy armor in the game you could take his heavy armor and then you had heavy armor for the rest of your of your game but now at the end of the session that armor disappears. Like you can't pick up anything you pick up like weapons wise like if it's like oh he's got a great axe that's not magical but like I take the great axe and I and I use it you can use it for the rest of that session but at the end of that session that great axe goes away and you're back to your to the starting equipment you have which forces mm-hmm. you to buy equipment with money. Like, you have to right. use the gold that you get at a convenient place within the storyline to actually purchase heavy armor or plate mail or things like that. So um, different weapons, um, which is kind of a hindrance if you're a uh, blade warlock, because warlocks don't have really good armor, but they can wear better armor, but they don't. their starting equipment is like cloth. And so it's kind of like, but... And that, I don't know, and that's the only thing I remember is that uh, a lot of my – when I was level one, there was a bunch of warlocks that were packed of the Blade um, or uh, the – what's the new one with the – uh, it's not packed of the Blade, but there was a
1: uh, – The Hexblade.
0: Hexblade, thank you. I yeah, couldn't yeah. think of it off the top of my head. But, yeah, the Hexblade warlock uh, starts off with this, like, wimpy armor, and then he would b- then basically steal armor from the people that he was murdering. Uh, but that won't stick with you for the rest of the game. Yeah. So
1: that's but, a cool, uh, role-play mechanic though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wear the armor of my defeated enemies. I love it. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I don't know. I, uh, adventure league is, is changing. I don't want to say drastically, but it is changing, um, that enough that my, um, my adventure league store wants to have a, uh, meeting so that everybody's on the same page for how this works like they want all the dms to get together for a specific day and say like we're going to have basically an hour-long meeting so that we know that everybody understands how this is going forward so that nobody's nobody's doing the wrong thing you know and we're we're rewarding things exactly how we should be rewarding things and stuff so
1: and i and i think the new rules are definitely long overdue um the ones that they've been working with have been around for a while. And I think, like you said, they're they're addressing some of the more common concerns of Adventure League. Not that they're gonna fix it perfectly, cause I'm sure we'll just, we'll see some other new problems that arise. And like some of the people in chat were saying, you know, sometimes it feels a little video gamey and in that style of gameplay, it can be because, yeah. but, but you get that, you can't get away from it if you're doing drop in, drop out seating. You know, that there's just no other way to try to keep that and if you're uh, tracking on your adventure log how you got your goal of your experience and where you got it so that we're sure people aren't just creating outrageous characters and trying to bring them into games that they're not supposed to be in it's going to feel a little weird and structured and not as narrative as a regular campaign that you're playing with your friends and then the other thing was is that for the longest time adventure league was only really rewarding combat it wasn't really yeah. rewarding much else there were some language there where the gm or the, I always say GM, because I like Game Master better than Dungeon Master, but the DM could. This is Dungeons uh, and Dragons Lucian. We say I'm Dungeon Master. Get out of Master. here. <laughs> it's it's here. Uh, in this, you know, 2018 Dungeon Master sounds a little, but, but we'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um and so i think the rules are about that but i also like the idea of they're trying to address i have this cool character i have this cool thing in mind i can spend the points to get something that helps me facilitate the character i want to play yeah versus the gm just dropped a magic axe i don't want to use an axe my guy is a sword guy but the axe is a magic axe so i probably should just use it and do that so and that like exactly
0: happened to my one of my hot springs island friends that uh plays adventure league with me is they dropped like a great sword he was the only fighter in the group but he's a dex based fighter so he's mm-hmm. like i i can use this great sword with my proficiency because i'm proficient in it because i'm a fighter i have a plus one instead of a plus three plus his strength because he has minus to his strength you know um mm-hmm. and so he's like I can use it but like my my rapier's better but nobody else wanted it cuz nobody else could use it you know
1: so Yeah. So I think they're trying to address a lot of those things. I don't know if they will be perfect and I have a newfound um appreciation for what they're trying to do because obviously when we get to a little bit later and I talk about what's been going on this week, I'm trying to recreate something similar And I'm now finding all of the problems that you have to deal with in saying, okay, how does this work when you have varying groups that are mixing different members and they're coming from different places and how do you keep track of that and how do you let them come in and out on different weeks and and all that kind of stuff. And I realize it's a tough thing to do. Um, And they're tackling it. So that's pretty cool. I know Pathfinder Society is the other one that does. Mm -hmm. They tackle the living world campaign pretty strongly I've seen a little bit of Monty Cook do some of it, but not nearly as much as like Dungeons & Dragons and Pathfinder seem to be the two that come to my mind as far as living campaigns that have really tackled it as much. So with Pathfinder 2 really coming out, I've been seeing a real upsurge of popularity with it too. So. There's a lot of people giving a look right now. There's a lot of videos out there about reviews and, and start the comparisons are, are starting to come out. So I wouldn't be surprised if their living campaign kicks off. And then we'll have a good kind of two big companies that have come up with living campaign rules that we'll be able to compare and say, oh, you know, I kind of like what they did here. Oh, but I like how this company did this thing here. And all of that's really good because then we can bring it into our games and decide what we like to use. We don't have just one way to do it and that we have to figure out is that, do I just do that or not? We might have a couple of different um, ideas that we can work with and bring it into our game. Because all of it is about bringing it into your game, right? Yeah. All of it's about bringing it to your players and, and having that kind of fun. So we'll have to see where, where it goes. I don't, I don't know where me and you have seen Pathfinder. I played a, a game or two. But I haven't felt the big draw. Are you feeling any draw to it yet? Or are you feeling like some Yeah, no,
0: uh not I'm not. Uh and I don't know why. Because players I... have
1: come up and said, hey, we should try a Pathfinder game yet? No,
0: nobody said that yet. Okay. Like I think I think the majority of my players really enjoy DD, but I think they're also intimidated by Pathfinder because it was so like there's there's a rule for everything, um, which some people really like. A lot of times we just hand wave it with that uh, you get advantage here or uh, you get disadvantage here, um, and I don't know if my players would be interested. Like, okay, so the majority of my players, not my Hot Springs Island people, because they're a little more, they're a little more, they're gonna flip through the rule book to like figure stuff out because they like that. That's just fun mechanics. But my Sunday game people. They just kind of want a casual game of Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of times when I'm like, I don't really know, how does like positioning work? How does half cover work? And we'll like have to like look it up. It kind of slows down the game when they're just like, couldn't we just hand wave this that he's got like a plus two AC because he's behind a rock? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, Mm -hmm. So Pathfinder for them, I think, is not that much of a draw. Um, I'm curious about Pathfinder, and that's why I played the playtest at Gen Con. Um I'm also reluctant to dive into it because it is so rules heavy. Um and I have downloaded the playtest and opened it up and it's just like that's a well first of all that's like a a lot of reading to do on my tablet as opposed to uh flipping through an actual book which I enjoy more. Um but I don't know. Maybe next week, maybe this week, we should watch a whole bunch of videos on Pathfinder 2 and read through the thing and then we can talk about it a little bit more in depth next week. Um, that could Possibly. be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but because 3.5 also intimidated me with how mm. like rules-heavy and, and crazy it kind of was, um, which uh. is weird because I played 4th Edition, which was not... I mean, I guess 4th Edition was a little more streamlined than 3.5. I don't know. I went from... Advanced Dungeons and Dragons to the first time I played D&D to fourth edition. So I kind of just skipped uh, the 3.5 era and thus, but the people that were really invested in 3.5, I think it was a natural transition to go to Pathfinder. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't feel playing fifth edition is going to be a natural transition to playing Pathfinder 2 uh so that might hurt path paizo as a company i'm not sure uh or do they have enough fan base i mean they were number one during the dungeons and dragons fourth edition area paizo was the number one role-playing game um and from a selling point they were Mm -hmm. selling more than fourth edition was but will that carry on uh until fifth edition came out and then dungeons and dragons was back on top so uh i don't know it's really interesting and but uh, yeah, you, sorry, going back to your initial question, I don't have that draw. Like yeah, there's not I like, I I just haven't been really been like, wow, I'm excited for this. Like I'm just kind of like, oh, cool, another role playing game. I'm going to go back to Kids on Bikes because I'm more interested in that at the moment. Or I'm going <laughs> to go like read my Dungeon Crawl Classics books again because I'm really interested in that again. So um, yeah. yeah, I don't
1: know. It'll be interesting to see because we've got not only is there a resurgence in tabletop RPGs definitely in the last two to three years. Um, this year was uh, they even said it on dungeons and dragons been the biggest selling year they've ever had for dungeons and dragons but i also think it's the biggest selling year for any of these tabletop rpgs i bet pathfinder has the biggest year it's going to have uh i'm i'm sure monty cook is selling better than he's ever sold before in all their monty cook games because just right now everybody's into rpgs the the market's getting flooded again with new rpgs that are out there like you're playing kids on bikes i like tales from the loop we're seeing all these new kickstarters that are out there's all kinds of stuff going on and sometimes that leads to a saturation which kind of hurts the whole hobby but at the moment we're on that high of there's so much to offer and if you have some type of um uh, preference like you're just like I want to role play but I'm not really into medieval fantasy it'd be so cool if yeah. I could play giant mecha robots because that would be what I'm into you're in the year of you're going to be able to find a role-playing game no, that's exactly kind of yeah which is really cool and I think that's really opening up the, um, the hobby now the, the one thing that I did see news wise basically on D&D Beyond and um, the D&D channel they had several videos that were very much kind of I don't know i maybe i took them the wrong way but it was like how dd changed gaming and and how oh, i did
0: see that video but i didn't watch how we're yeah.
1: into pop culture and all this kind of stuff this kind of looking back at our own success and patting ourselves on the back and I'm, <laughs> i kind of felt like yeah you guys are doing very successfully there's lots of factors into that um but you you also want to be a little care you always still want to be humble right you always want to be the humble humble person when you're doing that you got to be a little careful about you know how you've changed this or that. I think it's more about how media and and pop culture has changed the role playing game versus it was d and D book that that changed everything itself. It was I think that was different. Twitch could maybe make that video or YouTube could make that video about how they've really changed or helped resurge this whole phenomenon.
0: Well, that's that's a, I mean that's a huge. To, to put it just on Dungeons and Dragons, because nerd culture in general is huge now. Like yeah. the, the kids that grew up with comic books and Dungeons and Dragons and anime and things like that, they're now the running companies or doing doing entertainment stuff. And, and so that's why there's a resurgence. Like there's a reason that we have all these Marvel movies now because the, the directors and the people and the actors grew up with those comic books are now the ones that wanted to make that because they loved it so much as a kid. Um, and the same with, uh, they're making a Dungeons and Dragons movie at some point. And it's the same thing. It's like the people that really enjoy this are the ones that are like, I want to produce that and I want to make a good quality product. So yeah, it might be a little pretentious to say like, we're doing all this amazing stuff because Dungeons and Dragons is so pop culture and cool. When I'm like, really, there's just a, a huge resurgence of like nerd fandom right now. Uh, because nerds are cool and they didn't used to be cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah,
1: geek is cool. Yeah. You know, watching animes, playing JRPGs, playing gaming of any type. It's yeah. not you don't hide the fact that you're a gamer these days. Yeah. You're proud of the fact that you're a gamer. And that doesn't that doesn't matter if you're a console, a PC, a tabletop, a board gamer. Board games have, have gotten the same resurgence that TTRPGs have mm-hmm. gotten. Um and I was of- I'm
0: researching a video right now, and I would even argue that the MMO genre helped dungeons and dragons because people like they like the fantasy aspect of MMOs but they miss the connectivity with actual people and so mm-hmm. they like the MMO market has gone down i mean i'm sure wow is still oh, doing yeah. great but like it's not near what it was in 2004 2005 uh, but tabletops are super up. And I was like, no, I think it's the same thing where people are are like, I'm getting the same feeling from this fun MMO experience, but on a more personal level with like people that I like to play with. And yeah. so, yeah, I don't know. Like that, I mean, that's a whole video essay right there that you could like
1: create, <laughs> it's a th- so. Yeah, it's like a, somebody's college thesis. Yeah, so it's some, yeah. yeah, I'm sure people are writing on it right now. So um, it's definitely interesting. Uh, so the news I think has been a little bit light and I think they're throwing those things out more because they just needed something to put out and less than they were... That was their message that they were putting out this week because it felt like most of them were super busy getting ready for the release that's coming, I think, in the next couple weeks, which is, you know, we've been talking about Waterdeep Dragon heights. Yeah, it's just I saw around the corner. Cover, yeah, I saw the cover in the book for... Um, the the mad mage dungeon of the mad mage that looked really cool big red bright book and i thought that's going to be super fun and i'm i'm interested to see the the modern day mega dungeon and how they're they're tackling it and for me all of these things always seem to be a way because i'm creating so much right now on my own and i'm trying to do things that are homebrew or maybe a mixture of or i'm playing but i'm always looking at how are they doing it just to get an idea of okay, I see the way they tackle things or I see the way they do things. And I can pull little pieces out and say, I kind of like what they did there, but here's where I want to put my twist on it. And, and like you, you're branching out into DCC and hot Springs Island and all that stuff brings in a different viewpoint for you than just what wizards of the coast has been. Oh yeah, out. yeah. Yeah. And they're good, but it's nice to see another point of view of how to arrange an adventure, how to arrange a campaign, how mm. to present it. What are the, the themes and the tropes that you're going to be doing? And, and I felt like right now I'm in this point of going out there and finding more third-party um, products to get more exposure than just, you know, the main company, mainline um, stuff that's out there. Like Jetpack 7's been putting out a lot of cool stuff and i just like, oh, I like this. And I, there's a lot of creative people out there and, and I'm, yeah. I'm forgetting that there's droves and droves of stuff on Drive RPG and DMs Guild that you can go out there and you can get and it's really good quality stuff not made by major companies yep made by people like you and me you know yeah so that's that's super cool
0: i just had uh the best idea for a one shot that i want to run now i want to do right. i want to do a mutant crawl classics funnel so everybody starts at level zero but i want it to be mad max fury road where they're all driving stuff and and so and just see who who lives and who dies on this like incredible race through the desert with mutant crawl classics. <laughs> I need to make that this happen be now because that would be epic. That would be so much fun. Oh my gosh, I love that would be cool. I love and DCC the so much. Could be
1: really good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, let's transition, yeah. sir. Uh, yes. What did you do in games this week? Because you had a really busy week with with uh, games as opposed to last yeah. week, but.
1: And, and yeah. several in chat uh, have known about it, or heard about it, but I'll, I'll tell some of the other viewers that are out there. We, I launched the Mega Campaign, which is my West Marches version, Sir Lucian's version of a West Marches game. If you don't know what that is, it's kind of like an open world game where you allow all kinds of players to form parties and just go and adventure in this big giant open world. It's a hex crawl, so it's got a hex map and you basically form your party and you tell your GM, hey, I'm gonna to go to this hex and we're gonna explore this thing because we heard there's a really cool temple there, we heard there's a ziggurat or we heard there's uh, some weirdness going on and we're gonna go check it out and then the adventures run and you do cool stuff and you get cool stuff and so it's just huge. And then next week maybe you have different party members because those people couldn't make it so you found some other party members on Discord and that whole thing. So that's what I've launched. I've launched my mega campaign, it's called Seeking Revenar. Um, some of you who are Forgotten Realms historians might know where the word Revenar comes from. I don't think Jordan's done a video on Revanar yet. Though. Jordan on doesn't
0: know, and he's a Forgotten Realms historian. Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's the continent over across the ocean oh, from the right. third coast all the way over above uh, Mazteca. Mm-hmm. There's another word they used for it, too. That there was two things they called it. Uh, Revenar is one of them forget the second one. I had it written down somewhere, but I forget, but I've been using Revenar because I like the name of it. Um, and so I've put my players out over there, but I've built my own map. I've built my own world. I've populated it with all kinds of crazy stuff that they don't even know. Um, there's factions vying for things going on in the background and they're going to play this game. And what's cool about this, why do I call it a mega campaign? Because not only do I have a group who was my play testers that have been running it, they did the pre-West marches. So if you watched any of the other Saturday morning D&D shows, you've heard me kind of talk about my pre-West marches. That group is now officially created brand new characters, had their very first session on Monday night, and they made it from Waterdeep to the island. They're the only ones that I did the the transition from the regular Sword Coast over to where Revenar is. Everybody else is just going to start at that port right. bastion is where everybody's starting. Cool. Um, so we did that kind of cool thing where... We started out, we let their characters talk and they're gonna play every single Monday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern being streamed. And it'll go to YouTube, this group. Um, we got cameras, we got microphones for everybody. I hadn't streamed this before because they were a group of friends. They weren't like online people. Cause normally when I create games, I go and find a bunch of online people. We bring them together and we play games and we put it online. We stream it because they're already kind of streaming savvy in a way or YouTube savvy. Um, but this group wasn't, but we've got them all up and running. So it's now you're going to get to see that home group get to play, which is cool. But the even more exciting thing is we already have lots of people coming in and wanting to play the game and you two in chat could play in this game. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is you send an email to seeking all one word at gmail.com with certain information, and I'll go ahead and put a link in that shows a document to show you everything you need to know about jumping into this game, and you can jump in, and you can create a character, and you guys can form parties, and you can look for an open space for me, the GM, and you can grab one of those, first come, first serve, and I'm going to run you through, and you get to also be in this world, and it's a world that changes through the actions of the players, and there's all kinds of groups that are going to be going through, so it's super cool. You can also play in the Seeking Revenar. Um, campaign you can also find it out on my twitter on the at solution gaming all one word all kinds of stuff that i've been tweeting all week about it
0: and you should send me some stuff or put it in our show notes and i'll put it at the the doobly-doo of the um of the youtube channel
1: so i certainly will it'd be cool i did they did do one thing that they they fought an eel hound that came from um the supplement book gods and goddesses from jetpack seven which is really cool. It was a really cool monster. This is a cool supplement that they have a new pantheon that I'm using, but they also had creatures in it, which made it a really nice book to buy when I was at Gen Con. And what I liked about it is their creatures are a little bit tougher than the normal CR creatures. I really like so their CR2 was on the upper end of CR2. So that was a very interesting okay. thing to see in this book. That like their hit points were a lot higher than you would see a normal CR2. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to play around. This campaign is about mixing homebrew with official released stuff and third party stuff and bring it into a big mixing cauldron of super awesome stew <sighs> or soup and then let everybody try it out and see. But how the, it works. Balance, Lucien, the balance solution, the balance. Yeah, well, I could... Well, and yeah, my notes at the end of this whole thing is this could turn into a, just a huge dumpster fire, <laughs> of me not really realizing how bad this is going to turn out, or it could be like one of these triumphs that I talk about years from now, how I ran this mega campaign for a year and it had hundreds of players in it and lots of groups and all these cool stories were made out of it. Hopefully, it's that latter one than the than the other one, but we'll see. Um, from a GM perspective, if you're going to tackle something like this be prepared that this is the biggest GM prep I ever had to do for any of the campaigns or any of the games I've ever had to set up. Because not only did I have a large amount of campaign prep when you're building your own campaign world or filling out one that's empty basically. And then bringing in elements from um, like, cause I've got an ADD adventure that's tagged in there. I've got a fourth edition Module that's tagged in yeah. there. I've got some third party stuff that's tagged in there and I'm bringing it all together. I'm converting stuff, I'm making it all happen. So there's a huge amount of campaign prep for this. There's a huge amount of session prep because I'm going to be multi- running multiple groups, keeping track of them timeline wise and just tracking all the people that are going on. And then there's a whole bunch of prep for I'm streaming most of it online. So you're talking about templates and uh, artwork and transitions and all those kinds of things for all that. So it's a lot of work. If you're going to do it, it's cool. Make sure you're ready for it. Um, it'll prop all my, everybody's always worried. It's going to burn you out. And I don't doubt it. I I mm-hmm. don't doubt that this amount of work will burn me out at some point, but I'm mean, at such a huge high for excitement and running games that I'm just, I'm, I'm leaning into it. I'm just going for it. Like I'm just going to use yeah. that energy until that energy is gone. Um, so be careful if you're going to do it, but it's cool.
0: Burn your candle at both ends. You're going to burn twice as bright and you're going to burn out twice as fast, but it's going
1: to be amazing.
0: (laughs) It'll be, it'll be a good show.
1: (laughs) It will be a good show. Um, so that's the big thing. So challenges of running something like that, um, designing something that here's the thing that's really tough. Designing a game where you realize you want players to reform their party every week or so. Like you want to, you want the party to have the flexibility to say, Oh, two people can't make it. We're going to grab two other people from the pool, plug them in, and go. Mm -hmm. So that the the game is always playing, even if the players aren't exactly the same in the party. So designing something that works like that is going to be tough. And I'm in that process, I'm trying it out. I'll probably make adjustments and you'll hear me talk about it. You were talking about having them
0: going back to a base every day so that yeah. you could r- get new players from that bit. Like, okay, a new set of adventurers are leaving the the base of, lo- you know, the base. I can't think of a better word.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 back to the town, back to the yeah. hometown. And the reason was, is what I'm trying to avoid is that we do a three hour session, but at the end of that, we're still in a place where bringing another player in doesn't necessarily make sense in one leaving. So let's say your cleric can't make it because they're going to a family reunion. And so you need you want to bring somebody else in from the pool RP wise, you're already out at the temple at the front of the temple. How is it that your cleric's gone, but this other new druid has stepped in and how did that all happen? If you're going to try to keep the story remotely going. So the only way you can really do it is that your sessions need to start and end at town, because if you can do that, then you can always have a good RP reason why you have somebody else going with you in the party and why it's okay for somebody not to go because they're just like, hey, I'm going to stay in town. I'll be here for the week. I'll wait till you guys are back. That's the plan. I don't know how well it's going to work. I've I've done some things to encourage it, but we'll see how it actually works. So that's a tough one. The other thing, um, here's the other big thing that I'm fighting challenge-wise. This whole mega campaign revolves around players organizing themselves and i say it super slow and super emphasized because (laughs) it feels like and and me and jordan talked about this pre-show a little bit that we're currently in the age of the gm runs the schedule the gm hounds the players hey are you making it saturday hey are you going to be there monday night hey are you going to do this the, the GM is going out and selecting players to play in their game. Hey, can you play in my campaign on Monday? I'm going to get this person, this person, this person. It's not the players organizing themselves and then finding the GM to meet that or say, hey, okay, we're all together. I'll call over to GM Jim and find out if he's going to be able to run for us or, or she's going to be able to run for us. Because um, I felt like it, it has been that way in the past, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like that way now. And like, I'm sure your games, what about your games? Are are you
0: the person running it? So my Sunday game is definitely Jordan hounding my players to play. Um, And... I and mostly because we don't have a a set time that we play on Sundays. So it's usually like, hey, does this Sunday work? Does this time work? Um, And then people will be like, well, I've got rehearsal or I've got this. So I need to be in the morning or I need to be in the evening Um, or I've got work early on Monday. So if we could play at like three o'clock as opposed to seven o'clock, that would be awesome. Um, And it has been mostly Jordan facilitating that. Because Jordan wants to play a game and it's always kind of been like that with me where it's like I realized if I wanted to play d and I was going to have to be the one that was the dungeon master. Because none of my other friends were interested enough to be a dungeon master but they were willing to play. Um, my Hot Springs Island game is completely different. Those guys are like hey are we playing are we organized like I'm available this time and we've kind of set that we play six o'clock on Tuesdays. Um, don't stalk me but that's when we play uh they they uh they very much organize themselves and then kind of check in with me to see like are we good to go um, and that's been really cool it's been really awesome to have players that are super excited about playing mm-hmm. and that they're they're really like wanting to just like they want to play and so as opposed to my Sunday game I don't want to say it's like pulling teeth and it really isn't but like it's not a it's not a priority and they've got a lot of other stuff going on in their lives. And so it's kind of like, well, when we can fit it in, it's a lot of fun when we can fit it in, but mm-hmm. uh, it's really nice to have players that are super excited um, and trying to organize it. So I don't know. It's, it's like back and forth. Uh, yeah. It's just two different types of people, I think, and two different types of, of maybe a levels of commitment, I guess, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or, or just excitement about the game in general. And I feel like my hot Springs Island uh, players they're as excited about Hot Springs Island as I am. So it's a really good fit for the both of us. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And so I think that this style of game that I'm trying to play, the West Marches was kind of built on one of the the pillars that it talks about. Yeah. Is it's a game that encourages players who organize themselves and the people who are going to get the most out of that campaign, that style of campaign are the ones who are organizing themselves into parties and going out and exploring this land. And I'm following that. Like I'm not goading anybody like at, at, on Thursday this week, when I hadn't gotten a request from any of the party members or party, somebody to say, Hey, I'm a party leader. And I've got a group of four people and we want to go do something by Thursday. I hadn't gotten an email like that. I posted on, on the forums where all these people are creating characters. I'm like, Hey, you guys got to tell me within two days that you're going to do something of a scheduled time or you can't grab that slot. And it's up to you. I'm not the Mm -hmm. one who's going to organize you. I'm not going to find out and check in with you guys every single week to say, who's the group, who's going, I'll match everybody up. I'm waiting for them to do that. So I think it'll take them a little time to figure that out. And I think the players who are excited and want to be playing a lot, they're the ones who are going to jump on this because it's first come, first serve at this point. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's an interesting thing. It um, is. It's a
0: really interesting campaign idea. like I, I I feel like this is a fun experiment that you're doing. <laughs> and
1: yes. I want to see how it
0: works out for just like, I don't know, for future Jordan projects. so <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the other thing, stay organized on a much bigger scale. Uh, when you're tracking your campaign, you're usually tracking your party, you have your part, your notes, and you know what's going on. This has definitely been a bigger endeavor to say, wait a minute, I could have, five or six or seven other groups running at any given time throughout a week, Mm -hmm. that's a lot to keep track of. Um, So I've had to really come up with better organizational skills. I'm using OneNote, which I'm finding is fantastic for keeping me organized um, and keeping things where I can get to them easily and try to keep up on everything. So that's been really good for me. Um, If you guys have other ways that you're keeping track of your campaigns, where you have a lot of notes and a lot of things and, and things that help you Definitely tell us about that in the comments in the uh, if you're listening on YouTube or even here in chat, you can give us some of the ways you're um, organizing your campaigns and keeping track of them. And then that's those are the big challenges of, of doing something like this, um, creating the maps, updating the maps, those kinds of things. So we'll see how that goes. Cool. Then I played Tomb of violation which is my Adventure League game. And we kind of touched on this already. So I'll probably skip past it for the most part. Um, But we did have the discussion about season eight and how that's going to affect us. I'm excited by it because I think it's going to allow my character to get some magic items that I think he needs to be a good character Um, because I am kind of like a, I'm a two weapon fighter barbarian. So, there's going to be some things that are going to help that character really stand out. And now I'll be able to purchase them with my points, which I think is really cool. We did just get to the lost city of Omu for Tomb Annihilation, but that's as far as we got. And we did introduce our brand new player. Uh, although to our campaign, she's been playing all over the place, but Nox Noxua um, has been playing on a lot of games online and she joined our cast. And that was really cool. We're up to four player cast at this point, And I think we had a really good session bringing somebody in, And, um, that's fun because there's always that weirdness. Like if you're going to join an already, we kind of had this talk a little bit, um, with that cast was this weird, if you're going to join an already set group and you're the person coming in from the outside, sometimes that's hard to do. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Like you're just like, ah, they just, they're just too tightly knit for me to try to fit in with that group. But hopefully we made her feel super welcome. And she's uh, hopefully she's going to feel just as a part of the group really quickly. And we can run with that. Uh, The only other thing I was going to point out for my schedule, um, it's going to happen tonight. It doesn't happen yet, but it is going to happen tonight. I am going to be running a Cypher System game in the Predation world, which is jumping back 65 million years in the past, but we bring technology back through time travel and we go to prehistoric times with dinosaurs and technologies and lasers and all kinds of cool stuff. Now, last
0: week you were prepping this, right? Or you were creating characters with people? Okay. So now you're actually going to be running the game. Tonight. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I I popped in a little bit. You were streaming that and I popped in and and watched a little bit and it looks fun. Like I just... I don't know, I like absurd things. So the fact that people have like laser cannon raptors that they're running around on, like it just seems yeah. really exciting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Because, and everybody gets a companion dinosaur. Oh, this so cool. Thing. So that's, that brings in a little bit of something cool I think for everybody. Um, and I've got these really cool ideas. I don't know if any of them are watching. I, I don't know, is Dean d Elise in there? I was looking through chat, I didn't she see her. Maybe did. she didn't show up this morning, that'd be good. I have this idea. <laughs> That I'm loosely going to do a storyline that's based on Cujo from Stephen King. Okay, that's all. I'll, that's all I'll give. I, I I came up with this idea of how could I do it, but it's with dinosaurs and prehistoric times and technologically characters and all kinds of stuff. But I was like, oh yeah. And then exactly, Skull Dixon is right. If he, anybody has been watching me in the last two days on Steam, they would have seen I've been playing Ark Survival Evolved um, on Steam, which is the best game if you want dinosaurs and technology Mm -hmm. and that whole kind of thing, that's really got me pumped and really got my brain just moving on all kinds of cool things we could do storyline wise for this. If it really works out really well, it may be one of those ones that I eventually want to do a mini campaign, maybe not like a long-term campaign, but definitely one kind of like a lot of the shows you've been doing where they do maybe a six or eight episode run. Mm -hmm. So you get a good feel. It's not necessarily a one shot, but you do get a good story arc and a good starting ending place i might try to do that if this goes really good tonight because this this whole predation uh story and world that shauna germain created from monty cook games is a very interesting and fun world and it brings several things together that i love which is dinosaurs and technology so sweet that's cool so definitely check that out that's gonna be tonight at i think we're getting everybody gathered around 8 p.m eastern and the stream might actually kick off around 8 30 ish or maybe sooner that one will be a little bit more nebulous as we get everybody in and we get all the things set up and running, but we'll be in chat and we'll, we'll guys keep it going. So if you're around, you can come back by and check that out tonight. Uh, even Monty Cook retweeted it out, so that was really cool. They're really good about supporting the games that people are running from their company using their systems, so that I really like that. Um, and I like when a company reaches out and says, yeah, these here's some other things that you can watch this weekend using our game systems." So I thought that was really cool. I really like that as a company. So, But what did Jordan do this week in role-playing games?
0: So many things. Well, you were talking about uh, new p- uh, Felix. Oh, my gosh. Sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> he's playing with
0: chords. Get out of there. Come on. You're the worst. Um, I just saw that chord move and I was like, oh my God, cat, no. (laughs) Uh, So I was on, you were talking about uh, jumping into an existing game uh, because you had your new player with Tomb of Annihilation. And I did that with gratuitous roleplay. They had me on as a guest. um, And those guys were just the nicest people. And like, I feel like my character was able to, probably because of the DM, he was able to kind of be shoehorned in there in a really awesome way. And I was kind of the leader of this group of people that they've been running around with. So these guys have been talking about their great leader. And then I show up as a three foot kobold and I am the like awesome leader of these guys. And so I was able to like run around with them and, and it was a lot of fun and they invited me back, but sadly I'm a little too busy, but, uh, go check out gratuitous Roleplay; They have uh really awesome stuff and they're, they're doing they're in chat because <laughs> they're, they're doing cool stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it was awesome. So go check them out. Um, but the big thing, I guess, I wanted to talk about is uh, Hot Springs Island because we had a character death. Um, so yes. it was it was so sad. Uh, so my players are visiting this ogre witch named Bavmorda. They've befriended the Night Axe ogres um, in kind of... Hot Springs Island is really open-ended with what side you want to pick. Like, there's there's conflict happening on the island, and you can choose a side. And there's not really a right or wrong answer, but they've decided to kind of befriend these Night Axe Ogres um, in retaliation to this, this guy named uh, Svarku who's kind of, like, running the island, and he's an evil... Well, we say evil, but he has... He we'll call him evil, but he's this evil Afreet kind of guy that's greedy and what have you. Um, they are they decided that they they they're enslaved by this Martel company and they want to they decided that they wanted to signal the boat and have the boat kind of come over to sell some things back to the Martel company that they've gathered while they were here. They have some red crystals that they figured out that they can cast spells into these crystals and then break them open, so it's a way for them to get extra spell slots with these crystals. Mm-hmm. Um. And the crystals are really popular on the island with uh, Svarku and in his in his things. The Night Axe Ogres were brought to this island to mine these, this red crystal. Um, and the Night Axe Ogres don't really have any use for it. They don't know what it does. They know that they were just like enslaved in these crystal mines to to get a bunch of crystal. So they found some of these crystals. They've cast some spells in it. And then also you were talking about CR2 difficulty being a little more difficult than normal. Uh, they ran into a CR2 monster called an Obsidian Digger, which is basically like an obsidian elemental that uh, mines this red crystal. And they ran into four of them. So there were four of these creatures that ran up and they're a little more difficult than your regular CR2 monster. And I was not sure if they could handle this or not, but it kind of became apparent after the first like couple rounds of combat, especially because the diggers got a, the Obsidian Diggers got a surprise round that this was kind of bad news bears. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because in my mind, I, I want my players to succeed. You you want them to have a good time. You don't wanna just like train wreck the whole thing. But I told myself that uh, with Hot Springs Island, I was gonna go off of the rolls. Um, so when I rolled an encounter, it's like, this is the random encounter that kind of happened. They need to figure out whether they need to run, whether, you know, like the, the players really need to understand that the Island is dangerous. There could be a really easy fight or there could be a really difficult fight. And they've had some difficult fights up until now, but they haven't had anything as difficult as this. So I knew that the obsidian diggers dig the red crystal. So after the first player went down, I had the obsidian digger, basically loot that body, take the red crystal and run. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, this is the out I'm going to give my players. They're going to be able to say, (laughs) if we just like toss our red crystals, then maybe these guys will go away and we can survive. One player. Oh,
1: the greed of your players.
0: One player was like, well, I'm going to throw my crystal. The other three were trying to talk him out of it. They're just like, yeah. no, 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 use your crystal to like do extra damage or do this. And he's just like, uh, I don't I don't think so, guys. Like, I'm gonna toss it. So he tossed his red crystal, and sure enough, one of the obsidian diggers went and grabbed the crystal and was happy with his red crystal and, and went away. The other uh, the two remaining players that were still up decided to fight, and that did not go well. And so <laughs> they fought basically to the death. So we had, I think, three players go down. One of them got resurrected with healing magic. Then we didn't have enough healing magic. So the other two had to make death saving throws. And uh, one guy made his death saving throws. He he was fine. The other guy was rolling so, so poorly. And it was just like a six, a seven, a three. They used, um, in my game, I allow inspiration coins to be used to reroll any D20 roll, because I like the mm-hmm. idea that players can use it for um, an enemy saving throw. To make sure that their spells hit so they used an inspiration coin he rolled another like four um and so he was like three death saving throws in a roll he died the other players because we were in still an initiative were trying to do medicine checks and they were rolling like sixes and sevens and so it was everything was just not working out to uh to help this this poor poor player so talion the paladin passed away uh this is the first time i've ever had a character die through death saving throws i've killed players in tomb of an tomb of horrors um but never that was just like you fall in this pit of acid your body can't be recovered you're dead there's no chance of getting death saving throws this was like through the mechanics of the game somebody died Mm -hmm. um and my players took it really well i think I was up front with them saying that Hot Springs Island was really dangerous and that I was going to be rolling randomly on tables. So he was just like, "Well, I'll just make a new character, right? And I can come in." And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the nature of Hot Springs Island. Is if you die, there's always more people. The Martell company is bringing on boats to the island to explore and 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 loot Hot Springs Island. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was." Right from the get-go, they got a surprise round, and I was just like, this is not going to go well, because I'm already going to get four full attacks before my players can even get one attack in, and it it was just a slippery slope of, of death.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My first character death was last year when we were playing uh, Storm King's Thunder, and it died to a black pudding, and it was through failed saves. A couple yeah. of people tried medicine check the healers were down and couldn't yep. didn't have the way to get any points back into the person. Nobody had any hit points near, and it was just during combat. It would come up to their turn. And it was time for them to make the roll and they just made bad roll after bad yeah. roll after bad roll. And in fact, it even continued further on. Like he started counting how many times, every time he rolled a death save, he always failed even into the next character he built but normally (laughs) they would get him up with some healing points because he could never pass this is a shout out to tigray in my campaign he could never pass a death save every time he tried to roll one he failed and he had he was up to like 18 or 19 different death rolls and he'd still not made one successful crazy um but they embraced it and that's what i really loved about it um They had this ability and he was super excited about making a new character and how we could bring them into the campaign. We had our bard die to cultists and some giant vultures that got pack tactics. And that tore into the group a lot quicker than anybody anticipated. Our bard went down and died. In that one, they took his body and got him resurrected. So that was Mm. a really cool thing because I talked to the player after it happened and we had the discussion that it's really up to you do you, are you excited about making a new character and we'll find a way to bring that new person in? Or are you really into this one and the, play, the, the group's already ready to resurrect you, but if you don't want to do that, let's give them a signal that you don't want to take that route yeah. And let's let that go before they spend those ex- you know, resources and all that. And you're not going to come back type thing. And so we had that nice discussion. He, he decided he wanted to come back as his bard. We came up with some ways that he came back, but he was different, mm-hmm. which was an angle he wanted to play. There was, a, there was something that happened while he was in that in-between stage, and we were going to use that in the storyline, and I think that was kind of cool. So they took it pretty well. I love that they did. I have not had the, the issue where a players died, and then they took it poorly or yeah. I, they blame you or yeah. they they are mad at you because of what happened. And yeah. I know other GMs have fallen into that. Other DMs have had that. And I haven't had that experience yet. I'm sure it'll happen now that I'm gaming so much. But so far, it's been pretty good. The, the players have reacted to the death of a, in, inside the game pretty well.
0: Yeah, Uh, and that's – I think that's part of what I – because you want your players to have fun. You don't want them to – but but death also has to be there. Like, it has to be on the line because otherwise there's no – there's no excitement of like, oh my God, is this a good decision or is this a bad decision? Like if they know they can just plow through everything, then it kind of, the game gets a little stale. And so that's why I was excited for Hot Springs Island and the dangers that Hot Springs Island brings. So, but yeah, the new player, he's really excited about his new play, new character. He's making a cleric and he's just like, I've never played a cleric. It's going to be really exciting. He bought new dice because he's like, new character equals new dice. And I was like, (laughs) no, that's awesome. Um, We've already kind of introduced his character to the um, part because he, he came over on a boat at the very end of the session. I'm just like, I know you haven't like rolled up your character yet, but like here he is. He's a brand new character. Um, and I also gave him, uh, this new character has access to the Hot Springs Island field manual. So the, the player focused book that has information about the island. So I'm hoping that with that manual, they'll be able to um, have a little bit more information or give them the power to look stuff up. Like when I describe mm-hmm. a weird Bush that walks on its roots, they can like go through and and flip through the book and be like, oh, that's a spider bush. That's interesting. It's not dangerous. So we don't need to like worry about it. Um, And so that'll be it'll be fun. It's a it's really fun thing. There's also I want to say there's a Reddit thread about our show uh, Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: I'm talking about Hot Springs Island. So uh, this is this is it. If you are the people that are on that Reddit thread and you're like, because people are curious about running a fifth edition Hot Springs Island game, and somebody mm-hmm. was like, well, this guy's talking about it on his Saturday morning D and D show. So this is kind of like at the end of or towards the tail end of our show, I talk about my experiences with Hot Springs Island, um, mm-hmm. and this is it. So
1: yeah, there's a book like that. Uh, you can get Volo's Guide in Tomb of Annihilation, the Adventure League, and we I think you buy it for like. 50 gold or something while you're in town. And it has been invaluable. It's something that I'm thinking about putting in in a lot of the games I play too, because it allows the players to see something, deal with it, but then eventually go back and open the book up and say, what the heck was that thing? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. what what is this thing? And it may not tell them all the different stuff about it, but it gives them a little bit of knowledge about it. So that way you can really introduce new elements and they have a reason for why they might
0: know something. No, it's really cool. It's It's got like alphabets in it. And mm-hmm. so I really want to write out, um, it's going to take some time, but I want to write out puzzles and stuff that they have to be like, Oh, we have to like decode this and flip through it. Cause I think it'd be really fun. So, uh, no, That's it's awesome. really cool, but I was really happy how my players handled hot Springs Island death or like the first kind of official death that I've had in Dungeons and Dragons. It was, uh, as a dungeon master, it was, it was, uh, they did it really well. They had a lot of fun. And so now we've got a new character to be excited of. The only other game that I did, and I'll talk about this really quick, was I had a Saver Dice game on Wednesday. Um, mm-hmm. And I was telling Sir Lucian before the show, we I rolled, personally, I rolled one die the entire game. It was all role-playing, and it was very little. There was no combat, and there was very little like checks and challenges for us to do, um, which is not necessarily a style of Dungeons & Dragons that I am, A, used to, or B, like. I like role-play, mm-hmm. but I like there to be something that we're role playing for, like to get information or to, uh, basically, I guess you do role play to get information for the most part. Um, there's the little like quirks between players. Like that's kind of fun, but this session was very much like we were gathering information and we were, we were kind of like along a set path. And then we took a break from that path to go to a tavern and do a bunch of other like silly little things with the premise of gathering information, but we didn't actually gather, we didn't actually get the information that we were looking for. Ultimately, we traveled on to go to the Court of Worms and met with these uh, powerful, what we think are dragons in humanoid form. um, And they're going to put us through a challenge next week. So this upcoming week should be really interesting because I'm not sure if it's combat, if it's skill challenges, um, but it's going to be some kind of like I don't know. I I kept thinking they're going to put us into a ring and we have to fight to the death or something. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, so. and
1: Cody's the GM for that one, right?
0: No, no. Or it's Dave from Nerdarchy. Is oh, the Dave GM. from Nerdarchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the GM. he's the GM. Cody's a player. Um, T is a player and uh the uh well I forgot his name from XP to level 3 but uh the cool guy from XP to level 3 is in there as well. The so, cool
1: guy. Yeah, he's really <laughs> cool. <so>
0: <laughs> They're all really fun players. I have a lot of fun with them. So it's it's It is good.
1: interesting. I think I'm with you on the idea that it always shows me that a good session of any role-playing game, Dungeons and Dragons or whatever it mm-hmm. is you're playing, needs to have a little bit of everything in it, not too much of one thing. Yeah. So it can't be yeah. all it, combat. Because if we were
0: all doing combat, it would get pretty stagnant and boring, I think. Like yeah. you want to have a healthy mixture of everything, but but in in the defense of Dave the GM, like that was on us. Like we were the ones that were just like, "No, we're going to a tavern and we're going to have like silly adventures and we're going to do this." And so like he was just like, "Well, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do." You know, like he was going with it, saying, "Yes." so to speak like that's what you do in improv so yeah it was fun yeah.
1: it is yeah and I, can, I think i've seen some where where like role playing is fun but there's also the overdoing of a session like when you want to do a scene you want it to be pretty pointed and pretty succinct and you want to get that point across of what this cool thing is you're going to do um because even in my game we had uh we had somebody say the words and the DM was about to move us to the next scene, just kind of jump. All right, you guys sleep for a couple of nights. You've yeah. traveled through the jungle and you're about to, and and as he's saying those words one of our players says, Oh wait, can I do an RP scene here at camp before we do that? And he's like, sure. And then there was like, you know, a big RP scene between w- one of our players on watch and our new player that had come in. And that's a big chunk of, showtime now all of a sudden now it felt good and they did a good job of it but you got to be careful that that doesn't overrun everything because there are all the players at the table Mm -hmm. everybody you got to be i was just watching um matt colville put out a video this week this past week about being a good player Mm -hmm. and it talked a lot about being aware of not just yourself really (laughs) what it burns down you know boils down to this idea of you want to do cool things that are that, ha, that involve your character, but you want to also facilitate other people having cool things to do with their character. And when you're doing those things, just keep in mind not to overdo them, basically. Yeah. It, he says it much better and in a much longer video. But that, that's kind of what I pulled away from it and the idea. And being a GM and being a player now has helped me try to really balance that out. I want to be a better player when I'm in somebody's game because now I know what it is being the GM and sitting on the other side and trying to get things to go or organize things or let the players have free run Mm -hmm. or or make it fun and exciting for them too. Um, And I feel like I'm, I'm always learning to be a little bit better, a little bit more cognizant of everybody that's around. I think it's fun. I think it's uh, uh, RPing can be great, but you don't want to do too much of it. That's I think why I never got into like um, Vampire the Masquerade game, which I know a lot of people love that, Mm -hmm. but that was like super heavy being your character at all times. And we're okay. The scene is we're at a club. And now for the next three hours, we're going to RP all of our characters in the club. And there's no real dice rolling thing going on. It's all of us doing like little word sniping at each other and, and innuendo and, and posturing because my group's better than your group type of thing. And that was just like, I just want to roll dice. I want to hit something over the head with my sword and I want my plus one thing yeah. to do this. I got all these spells. I want to use them, you know. Different I'm that different stuff
0: for different players in all honesty. Yeah. But like that's why you got to find the system that's right for you in a way. So, yes,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Well, with that,
0: I think we'll finish off the show. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out and chat. Thank you for watching on YouTube or downloading us as a podcast. Uh, it really means a lot that you guys are are listening and enjoying the show. So thank you again so much for coming out. Um, eh, anything else we need to talk about before we take off?
1: No, I just we had a great chat. Again, we had a lot of yeah, people coming in. A lot of awesome in, people awesome. in chat today. Yep, keep coming back. Find it on YouTube. Uh, Monday morning. If you happen to miss it, if you're our YouTube viewers and you're listening to this, talking in, in ch- uh, be really active in the comment area because we're over there talking in comments and we want to be able to interact with you there, not mm-hmm. just the people that are live. We're going to interact with you guys too, and make sure you hit those subscribes and follow buttons on all the channels because we and Jordan are everything we do to grow just makes all of our shows that much better and bring more yeah. content for you guys. Yeah, so help great. us out when you can. Yeah, thank you
0: guys so much, and uh, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D D Show. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Bye. Take care.
0: Thank you again. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.